leadership here uh, to commit your lives to um, pouring in and equipping the next generation is seriously one of the highest, highest callings uh, that there is. And uh, even the youth pastors and youth leaders, is there, can, if the youth pastors and youth leaders, can you guys stand up real quick, real quick? Give it up for these guys. There's one guy down here that's got a little bit hurt. Weren't you a Marine or something? No, that wasn't you. Okay, there's another guy in here that was a Marine, right? And we'll keep on going. Okay, so anyways, um, where's, where's uh, Joey? Come up here real quick. Yeah, just get up here. Yeah. Where's that? I don't know what in God's green earth you were doing at the beginning of the program tonight, these dances and whatever this was, like Canadians, right? Yeah, and Americans, okay. Can we do that one song, not the first song, not when they're doing whatever, but then that other one, the sandstorm, do that. And I want you to watch these moves. I want you to do that thing, okay? And I'm gonna give you something, if you can keep that up for 30 seconds. You were doing some move. Can we start this music real quick? Can we do it? Yeah, turn it up. You know what I'm talking about. Is this Sandstorm? Is this that song? No, not this song, the other one. Yes, yeah, 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 here we go. Yeah, don't do, that's weird. Yeah, don't smile. Don't, don't do it. Don't look at me like that, that's weird. Mm -hmm. You're feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Yeah. Stop staring at me. It's seriously creepy. Yeah, okay. All right, give it up for that guy. It's great. Awesome. Oh, come back here. Let me tell everybody what you won. At 4.30 in the morning, you get to take me to the airport. Yes! Yes! That's payback, because I think you and your brother stole my phone a couple years ago in Chicago and took 450 pictures on my phone. No lie, not even lying. Um, so we're gonna, that was awful. Are you dating anybody? That's why, okay? Listen. JJ, is it true? It's true. Okay, okay. I'm kidding with you. I'm just kidding with you, but not really. Here we want to go. All right. Uh, I love these guys. Um, I'm going to talk, I'm going to close tonight with this whole idea that when God speaks to you about something that you need to change in your life, you can guarantee that it's going to be a challenge. It's like as soon as you know that God is moving you or God is speaking to you and you step out in faith, right? There's going to be opposition. 
And so I want to say this too, because I think this is so true. I, I used to work in camp ministry and people would, you know, people who were believers, kids that, you know, would give their lives to Christ or students that would give their lives to Christ, they would come back each camp and they were discouraged from the year before and they would commit again to Jesus Christ. And I started discovering something as I would talk to them. It wasn't that you need to commit to Christ. It wasn't that they needed to re-up or recommit to Christ. It was that they needed to start walking in the trust of Jesus Christ, that they started trusting God at his word. Because there are emotions in events and settings like this. And then when you go home, it's going to be tough. And so when you step out, if you've ever seen Indiana Jones in uh, the, the Holy Grail, if you remember this movie, there was this part at the very end where he's getting ready to go over to the room that, that held the Holy Grail. And it was this huge cavern and he couldn't see like the pathway. He couldn't see this bridge that was connecting where he was to the other side. And it's like, if you remember this, he had to kind of just step out and hopefully something was there. The same is true with God. It really is. It's like we don't know, we can't really see God and we can't really see what's in front of us, but we have to trust him. For a lot of, time, for a lot of us, we're not changing because we keep doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting different results. And it's taking us right back to the place that we were. And God says, listen, if you trust me, step out in faith. It isn't that you need to recommit and it's not like you have to, you know, do all of these different things. It's like, I, do you really believe me at my word? And are you willing to trust me? Are you willing to step out on faith? And for some of you, it is your first time where you say, okay, I'm going to commit my life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus Christ because there's this point that I came to and I was living my life for myself. I grew up. In, in a Christian home, I grew up, I went to a church, it felt like for, you know, years and years and years, every day of my life, and it's like I had no relationship with Jesus Christ whatsoever, no personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And there came this day where it was just like, you know what, either this is my faith, or it's not. It's not about my parents, it's not about my pastor, it's not about my friends, it's about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And do I trust God at his word? And so we're looking at the story of Nehemiah because I can guarantee you this, you are going to face opposition when there's change in your life. You just will. So I wanna look at Nehemiah four. We're skipping over to Nehemiah chapter four. And this is when Nehemiah was getting ready to start to build the wall. In fact, I brought a picture. I wanna show you this. This is actually the wall. Some of the remnants left in Jerusalem I've actually been to this place where these are the remnants of the wall that Nehemiah built in Jerusalem. And so what you're going to hear and what you're going to see is this, he went and he built the wall. He started building the wall. And any time that you're doing something significant, any time that there's change that's happening, you're going to face opposition. And so this was Nehemiah's opposition in chapter 4, verse 1. It says this, when Sanballat heard that they were building the wall, he became angry and greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble? Burned as they are, Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was at his side said, what are they building? Even a fox climbing on it would break down their walls of stone. 
This was Nehemiah's chief opposition. There was something to be lost if this wall were built, and they knew it. And he, the, both of these men had position of influence in this area where the wall was being rebuilt. They were taking advantage of the Jewish nation. And they knew if Nehemiah rebuilds this wall, it's going to mean change for them. It's going to mean something for them. They're going to lose, uh, they're going to lose some financial influence in the area. They're, they're, their gain is going to be gone. So anytime there's going to be change in your life, it's going to require something, and it's also going to receive opposition, especially if it's good change. Now, you probably have people that you know of right now that you would say, I'm going to face opposition with that person. I I, I know for some of you, you know that when you get home, you know who is going to cause that opposition to you. You know that person in your life where you just cannot stand that person because you know what they're going to say when you talk about the change that needs to take place in your life. And so I want us to look at what Nehemiah did with those people. And this is the first truth that we know. The first truth is that change breeds opposition. If there's going to be change in your life, it's going to breed opposition. There's going to be someone who does something against that. Have you ever made a decision to change something in your life? Some of you have made a decision over the past, like even today and last night, to change something in your life. And I've noticed this. You will face more opposition from those people who are closer to you, especially family members. And I knew this, like even growing up, most of you are, you know, whatever family that you're a part of, there's almost a role that you're required to play. And I even know this from people that are my age and they go back to to visit family on Christmas vacation or different things. They don't like who they become when they get back into their family because they almost have this role that they have to play. It's this rut that they are in. And they want to change and they want to be different. Some of you are going to go home and you want to change and you want to be different, but you might have a mom or a dad or a brother or a sister or close relationships. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. That's not who you are. You need to go back to the role that you are playing in this family. And this was the opposition that Nehemiah was facing. It's important to know that the opposition is often voiced by those who lack something inside. And I know this is that when people are opposing me, if there's some change that has to happen in my life, or when I'm talking to people about, man, this is, if you're calling yourself a believer and a follower of Christ, what does that mean to you sexually? What does that mean to you when you, you know, hang out with friends? What, What does that mean? It's going to require some changes in your life. And those friends on Friday night that you're used to hanging out with, some of you are gonna have to say, you know what, no more. I can't do it. You will be ridiculed for that. You will. It's just a fact of life. Because they are realizing, a lot of times what they are realizing is that they are lacking something inside. And so they're going to project that on you. And so this is what's happening to Nehemiah. And listen to his response. What becomes our response? My response, I'd want to get angry. But listen to Nehemiah. Hear us, O God. He goes back to God. For we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. 
What does Nehemiah do? He goes back to prayer. He goes back to retreating and says, Father, recognize what's happening here. Recognize what's happening here. And the second truth that we see here is opposition leads to deeper trust, right? Opposition leads to bigger, deeper trust. What is going to be your response when you face that opposition, when you know that you need to change something? What is going to happen? Because you are going to be walking in new territory. Opposition will let you know oftentimes that you are doing the right thing. I know in the culture that we live in right now, it's like if things get too hard, if change is too hard, there's a tendency and a temptation to believe that you might be doing the wrong thing. Because we live in a culture where we want the easy road. We, we, we don't want opposition. Change is hard. And when people start ridiculing us or, you know, when Friday night starts getting lonely and we're just like, you know what, I, I don't have friends anymore. I, I, you know, it, it is lonely. What are you going to do with that? It will often let you know that you are doing the right thing. Look at Nehemiah. What does he do? Does he retaliate with sarcasm or harsh words, which is a spiritual gift of mine? No, he goes to God. Does he retaliate and say, you know what? Curse you. That's harsh, okay? Does he do that? No, his response is mature and brilliant. The temptation here for Nehemiah is to defend himself when undeserved criticism starts to happen. It's the same with us. Our temptation is this, it's to defend yourself when undeserved critique happens. How do we respond like Nehemiah? We put our heads down and we work with all of our heart. And you know what happens when we do that? If God has convicted you, if he spoke to you, if he has broke into your reality and your time over the past day, there is a responsibility to look down and to just focus on whatever it is that God wants you to change. To start putting community around you because we know that we are stronger together. And when we do so, if we don't retaliate when critique and criticism starts coming, our faith and our focus will begin to grow. It will begin to grow. Don't take revenge. Leave room for God to do that. Listen to Romans 12. This is Paul talking. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written. It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Now, my personality, my temperament, I want to read it like this. It's mine to avenge. Like, God, you know, maybe you could send them to heaven early, okay? Maybe, you know, it wouldn't be that bad if your wrath came from heaven in a, in a form of a lightning bolt and just struck them in the face, right? It's like, that's what I want. When I face opposition, that's what I want to do. But Paul's reminding us is that God sees everything. We just want it to happen in our time. And I believe this, if it happens in our time, our faith does not grow. And we don't start trusting God in the little areas. If we don't start trusting him in those little areas, when those big things come, because I can guarantee you that they are coming. He's preparing you for a bigger battle. He's preparing you for something that is greater. Don't take revenge. Leave room for God to do what God wants to do. My brother-in-law, um, which is my wife's brother, 
he, uh, he plays, he's a quarterback in the AFL, which is Arena Football League, and he's been playing for 19 years. He retired this year. Uh, he's 83 years old. Just kidding. But I want to show you this picture of, of Aaron. His name is Aaron Garcia, and this is Aaron, and he's played for quite a few teams in, in the Arena League. And if you look up Aaron Garcia's after this, not during this right now, um, if you look at up some of his records, he holds a ton of records in the Arena Football League. Um, for, uh, for yards pass, touchdown passes, all of these different things. And he is a phenomenal, phenomenal quarterback. And one of the things I've noticed with Aaron is when he steps on the field, everything changes. And in fact, when you listen to the commentators and when you hear you know, people talking about Aaron, it's like Aaron Garcia is dangerous because he has the chance to change the game. He was a winner. And you would see this, but there's also another record that Aaron holds, and you won't find this on Wikipedia. He's also been sacked more than any other quarterback in the AFL. Do you know why? Because the opposition knew that if they could take Aaron down, they had a chance to win the game. You are going to face temptation. You are going to fail. And I will challenge you with this is that because you are a player in the kingdom of God, you will face opposition because you are dangerous in a good way. Because when you step onto the field, when you go back home, when you come back into whatever it is, whatever world that God has strategically placed you in, you will be bombarded with temptation. You will be bombarded with opposition. And this is why God has given us the word of God. So that we can look at stories like Nehemiah's. What does my response become? How do I handle this? How does my faith grow? How in the face of opposition do I continue to move forward? How do I do it? You will be bombarded. It's not if. You will be bombarded. Listen to what he did in verse 6. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. For people worked with all their heart. So Nehemiah continues to build a wall. He stays on mission. He stays focused on the change that needed to happen. The energy is good. Morale is high. Things are going good. Verse 7. But when Sanballat and Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashad heard that the repairs to Jerusalem wall had gone ahead and the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. So they thought their ridicule, they, they thought their opposition, how they were opposing Nehemiah, it was going to shut down the wall. So listen to what they did. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. Third truth here, opposition never sleeps. It never sleeps. Just when you think things are good and you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, here it comes again. And the question becomes this, will you stay focused? Will you stay faithful? One of my friends who is a counselor, he says this, every addiction is constantly ready to attack. Every addiction is constantly ready to attack. If you're dealing with gossip, if you're dealing with image issues, if you're dealing with an eating disorder, if you're dealing with pornography, if you're dealing with uh, whatever it is in your life, and you know that God has brought you here, and you know that that needs to change. And you have to realize that God loves you. He loves you in spite of whatever you feel like you have failed or that you, you, you feel shameful. He loves you. The dirtier you are, the messier you are, the more he welcomes you. He knows this. 
That addiction, though, whatever you think that you, you're going to go home and you're just going to, it's going to be done with. I love that, what he says. He says, it's ready to attack. You know, another truth that he shares is this. He says, when you are in here, when you're in recovery, and he was using this in the context of, of Alcohol Anonymous and uh, Celebrate Recovery. He was saying this, when you're in recovery inside the building, your addiction is out in the parking lot doing push-ups. Is whatever it is that you're battling right now is only getting stronger. Because it knows, the evil one knows what your weakness is. What's important is that you understand that truth. It is a reality. And it's that truth that becomes your response is just as important. And look at Nehemiah's response. He goes back to prayer, verse nine, but we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Here again, Nehemiah goes to his knees and adds protection. There is a spiritual response and a physical response. And here's the question for you. Where are you vulnerable and what are you doing about it? It's more than just prayer. It's about taking action. For me, I'm full aware of my weaknesses and I have to take I have to take action, physical action. One of the things on all my devices, on all my technical devices, I have X3 watch, I have canine protection, I have accountability because I know where my weaknesses are. It's like that is a physical response that is taking action and saying, you know what, I'm not just gonna confess it to God, but I'm going to speak it out loud to someone to hold me accountable because I want different results in my life. I wanna stay focused and I want my faith to grow. What is it? And the last one here. This is so important. Before I, before I do this, I want to go back to, to verse 10. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Morale is dying. Also, our enemy said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to the work. So they've been given word that this is getting ready to happen. Then the Jews who live near them came and told us 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. The team is losing steam. They're tired, they're discouraged, and they're defeated, and they're ready to quit. Have you ever fought a battle? Think about a game. If you're in sports, have you ever been in this place where you're just weary and you're tired and you feel defeated? Maybe it's in your personal life and you just feel defeated. You don't want to keep going on. This is why it's important, like we talked about this morning, is to stay close in that community. When you need encouragement, it's important to stay close to those. And the last point is this. Nehemiah takes action. Opposition requires action. Verse 13. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posted them by families and their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to their nobles, to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters. This is beautiful. Your wives and your home. Nehemiah is reminding them why they are fighting. When you are followers of Jesus Christ, we have a mission that is worth dying for. You have a mission that is worth dying for. Whatever change that God is trying to do through you and in you is worth dying for. 
it's worth completing. I can imagine when Nehemiah showed up to the wall and it's just in rubble. I can imagine him as he's traveled over 800 miles and he starts receiving criticism and people are discouraged is there was a point where he had to go, you know what, maybe this isn't a good idea. It'd be a lot easier to go back to the kingdom with Artaxerxes and be the cupbearer and have the greatest food and have the greatest life. That would be a lot easier. I'm sure there was moments of discouragement and the temptation to walk away, to battle that change that he knew that needed to take place. God has revealed something to you that you need to change because he has something far greater for you on the other side. It's so true. And I've seen it in my own life and I've seen it in so many others. When we are followers of Jesus Christ, we have a mission that is worth dying for. And I would say this, some of us have just rolled over. Some of us have just, and maybe you're even a youth pastor in here, you're, you're in college or you're an adult in here, or you're students and you, you just like, I've given up. I've tried to battle this thing and you've just given up. This is where Nehemiah comes along and says, do you remember why you're fighting? Maybe there's an addiction in your life that you say, you know what? This has got to stop. No more. God says this, it's time to shift your focus from fear, put your faith in the Father and get your fight on. I love that. As Nehemiah is like, okay, we're at the halfway point. I understand that. The halfway point to change is some of the hardest, is one of the hardest places to be. He says, I want you to stay focused. Verse 15, when our enemies heard that we are aware of their plot, God frustrated it. We all turned to the wall, each to our own work. From that day on, half of my men, half of my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, and bows and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried the materials did the work with one hand and held a weapon. I love that. In one hand, this is what we gotta do. In the other hand, I'm ready to take action at any time. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked, but the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. When fighting the battle of change, the battle of change, it's not just any battle. It's the biggest battle that you will fight. And sometimes your biggest opposition is that voice in your head, the voice that is telling you that you can't do this. Tonight might be your chance to substitute that voice for the voice of God, the voice that is telling you that you can do this because of my son, Jesus Christ. We fight that voice by replacing it with the voice of God. It's not a voice of condemnation, guilt or unforgiveness. The Bible becomes our weapon. There are so many times I have to dive into the word and, and when I get so discouraged, it's like, God, I, I don't know where to even go right now because even the voice of man or even my wife or any, it just can't. I feel like I'm so broken. Anybody here in this world, the temporal cannot heal whatever's broken in my soul. Only the word of God can. I'll close with this scripture, verse 19. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work with half the men holding spears for the first light dawn, till the first light of dawn, till the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night. Neither I nor my brothers, nor my men, nor my guards with me took off their clothes. Each had his weapon, even when he went for water. 
There was not a, a, a drop of blood that was shed because Nehemiah was faithful to God. And I would say this to, to some of you, you are in the fight of your life right now in this moment, whether you realize it or not. I also wanna say this is, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. Whatever it is that you're battling, whatever it is that you feel like you're just walking in shame, is like you are forgiven. And for some of you, you just need to receive that and believe it. Every single morning, I have to get up. There's some things in my life where I say, God, I know that I'm forgiven. I don't feel like I'm forgiven. I hold this and I hold this. It's like, no, no, no. Do you trust me, Clint? Do you trust me? As you leave here, as you enter back into your homes, into your schools, you have the power of God. You have the power of God. He has forgiven you because of his son, Jesus Christ. That is more powerful than you can ever imagine. You are fighting for your life. You are fighting for the lives of others. You are actually fighting for the next generation. Decisions that you are making now in your life. Addictions that you, that you are allowing to fester and to grow power is going to just be passed to the next generation. You are fighting for your life. You are fighting for your future families. You are fighting for the kingdom of God. You are valuable. You are dangerous in this world if you allow God to direct you. Amen. It's great being with you guys.